Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Xiji. Coming up in this edition, another U.S. state has removed Donald Trump from the presidential primary ballot. Israel has acknowledged its mistaken strike on the Gaza refugee camp, and the Danube River has overflown in Budapest. We begin in North America. Top election officials in the U.S. state of Maine have disqualified former President Donald Trump from the state's ballot in next year's presidential primary because of his involvement in the January 6th Capitol Hill attack. It is the second state to do so, following a state Supreme Court decision in Colorado to remove Trump from the election for the same reason. It is Tian Shan has more. Following a decision by the top election official in the state of Maine,、uh, that's the Secretary of State Shanna Bellows, who examined a case、uh, brought up by a group of citizens. In her decision, she essentially ruled that Trump should be disqualified、uh, for inciting an insurrection on January 6th,、uh, 2021, the Capitol Hill riots. Based on、uh, that incident, Trump has now become ineligible, according to the state Secretary of State. Now, earlier、uh, in, an, in a statement, she said that she did not reach this conclusion lightly, but she went on to say that she's mindful that. You know, no Secretary of State has ever deprived a presidential candidate、uh, of ballot access based on、uh, Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment. But she also that said that she is, however, also mindful that no presidential candidate has ever before engaged in insurrection. Now, that's obviously a term that's been. Uh, very much debated. It's very unclear by certain states.、Uh, you know, making a decision as to what def- what is defined as insurrection as has become a-, a legal issue in certain states.、Uh, but Trump's campaign、uh, has vowed to essentially appeal the decision. That was it. Is Tian Shan reporting? Meanwhile, in Colorado, the Secretary of State says Trump will be reinstated as a candidate on the state's primary ballot unless the U.S. Supreme Court decides to bar him. The announcement follows an appeal from the Colorado Republican Party. Turning to the Middle East, Israel is warning that it may open a second war front on its border with Lebanon. Israeli officials say they are running out of patience during exchanges of fire with Hezbollah along the northern border. The army chief says the military is in a state of high readiness and has approved plans for possible combat in the north. Meanwhile, Israel has admitted that it made a mistake in one of the recent strikes that resulted in heavy casualties in Gaza. Isabel Debris with the Associated Press reports. International pressure and criticism has mounted, of course, over the soaring Palestinian death toll now at over 21,000 since the beginning of the war. But Israel insists that its bombing is not indiscriminate. However, it has made a rare acknowledgement of error over a strike on Al Maghazi refugee camp in the central Gaza Strip over the weekend that killed over a hundred Palestinians. Israel's public broadcaster Khan said that Israel admitted. That this that in this strike it used the wrong kind of munition. It quoted a statement from the military saying that as a result of this kind of munition used, extensive collateral damage was caused. That's a quote. Quote something that could have been avoided. 
Now, on Israel's northern border with Lebanon, we also are seeing tensions surge after Hezbollah claimed the responsibility for a barrage of rockets that were fired into northern Israel, causing extensive damage to towns in the north. We saw also that the Israeli military said it intercepted at least four drones that were fired from Lebanon. Of course, all of this has raised fears of a wider regional escalation, and this is something that war cabinet member Benny Gantz did not seem to dismiss when he was asked about this earlier. Let's listen to what Gantz had to say. The situation on the northern border requires change. The hourglass for a political arrangement is running out. If the world and the Lebanese government will not act to stop the firing on the northern settlements and keep Hezbollah away from the border, the IDF will do so. This is just the latest instance of Hezbollah and Israeli leaders ch trading threats over this border. And we heard from Hezbollah's deputy chief that he was ready, he said, for any escalation that the Israeli military was willing to make. That was Associated Press reporter Isabel Debris. Staying in a region, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has once again cancelled a cabinet meeting that was aimed at discussing control over Gaza after the Israel-Hamas conflict. He's been putting off such meetings amid Israeli bombardment of the territory. Trent Murray fills us in on possible reasons why Israel keeps avoiding talking about the issue and its implications. There's been a lot of violence flare within the West Bank uh, since October 7th. Palestinian sources there say that 300 people have been killed. The latest incident uh, follows a night of quite significant violence there. Uh, a terrorist, uh, well, an anti-terror raid, according to the IDF, on the Nershams refugee camp. Now, it was there that there was an airstrike by the IDF. Six Palestinians were killed. Uh, what Palestinian uh, sources on the ground are saying is that the six Palestinians that died were young men aged 16 to 29 that had come out to see uh, the raid take place. Now the IDF has refuted that claim saying that the men opened fire on those IDF troops and threw grenades but it is a spotlight on an issue which is not necessarily getting as much attention as Gaza but it is one that is very much alive for the people living in the West Bank. These raids have taken place on a near nightly basis. We also understand the Israelis are launched raids in Bethlehem, Janine, Hebron and Tubas. Uh, it is one of those issues that has got a lot of diplomats worried, uh, both Israel's allies and others in the region, that uh, the situation in Gaza could spill over further into the West Bank and there could be more bloodshed. That was Trent Murray in Tel Aviv. As for the enclave's post-war governance, Hamas official Osama Hamdan says it will be a decision of the Palestinian people alone. Over to Europe. The second longest river on the continent has burst its banks in the Hungarian capital, triggering a state of emergency. Water levels on the Danube has hit a 10-year high. Heavy rain and snow, followed by mild temperatures, have contributed to this early winter flooding. Pablo Guterres reports from Budapest. The water has also flooded one of the main arteries here in Budapest. It's been shut down due to the rising waters. Now, the water peaked at around 6.93 meters, and it's receding. This is much lower than the levels that it reached back in 2013, which were uh, about 8.91 meters. Climate experts tell us that this is the cause of climate change, as there's been 
heavier precipitation and the snow melt uh, much earlier than expected due to the rising temperatures. They say this is and could be a preamble of things to come in the future. There's about 1,200 kilometers along the river bank that are under flood bank, uh, flood watch. Authorities have been towing vehicles from the lowing embankments. They have been telling people to stay out of the water. Those are the immediate measures. Now, on the long term, come this uh, event has really sparked a conversation about the effects of climate change here in Central Europe, but also about emergency flood preparedness and how much more the city of Budapest and the Hungarian government have to do to ensure that in the future, as these events that could occur uh, more frequently, the city is ready to address them and minimize the damage. That was Pablo Guterres reporting from a flooded street in Budapest. Finally, in China, shoppers across the country are flocking to tourist spots and malls that are offering promotions ahead of the new year. Chen Tong went to a shopping mall in Shanghai to check out the holiday atmosphere. Despite the new year still being a few days away, the dining area is already bustling with early holiday cheer, and the business is strong. During weekends, most of our customers are families such as parents with their kids. During weekdays, we welcome white-collar workers from nearby office buildings. Sometimes they need to wait between 30 to 40 minutes during peak times at noon. Beyond restaurants, retail outlets are also providing discounts, and customers are busy planning New Year shopping lists. I will be with my family during the New Year holiday. I will go out to have dinner and do some shopping. Usually there are more discounts during the holidays. I want to buy clothes and watches. Though Chinese New Year is still two months away, the vibe of the Year of the Dragon is already in the air. Consumers are more professional and their demands more diverse. They're focusing more on personality and quality. So in addition to providing shopping areas, we're working with shops to provide more experiences, services, and we're even setting up a shopping market. In one of the hottest areas in Shanghai, the West Nanjing Road, nearly all the stores and malls along the road are ready to welcome the new year, offering promotions to attract consumers to buy, buy, buy. That was Chen Tom on holiday shopping in Shanghai. Recapping today's headlines, Maine has become the second U.S. state to remove Donald Trump from the presidential primary ballot. Israel has acknowledged its mistaken strike on a Gaza refugee camp. And winter flooding has hit Europe's second longest river, the Danube. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Xi Zhu. Thank you for listening.